This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Talk Tuners. Lately, I've been making some positive changes in my life, but it definitely wasn't easy, nor did it happen overnight. With the help of talk therapy, I've been able to grow and unlearn behaviors and beliefs that were causing me to feel stuck. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. And special offer to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash Steph and Steph. That's betterhelp.com slash Steph and Steph. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Hello, Talk Tuners. Welcome to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes, the show where we share memories and stories of the music that has shaped our lives. I'm Stephanie Myers. Hey guys, Stephanie Pena here. We're here for episode 33, Stephanie. So exciting. Episode 33. Wow. (laughs) To this wonderful point. And I'm thrilled to chat with folks today about what we're going to chat about, which is MC5. Wanted to do our traditional little chit chat beforehand Mm -hmm. and talk a little bit about our recent two-parter Elvis series um, that we did, those two episodes. After we did that, I was reading a little bit more about his life. As I talk Mm -hmm. about those episodes, of course, um, and as you know, Stephanie, I've been a fan for a long time since really I was a little kid. Um, I wanted to just, yeah, learn more details about uh, his life and the trajectory it took. So I read Priscilla Presley's memoir, Elvis and Me, um, mm -hmm. which was great. And then Elvis in Vegas, which talks about the Vegas scene um, from really the 1930s on, what it looked like with the evolution of the Rat Pack down through Elvis's residency. Um, And Uh it was very fascinating. Um, but both really delved into a lot of stories and facts that aren't out there in the zeitgeist. So mm-hmm. it was very interesting and loved reading those. And it was interesting to me, too, how much the Boz Lerman movie kind of grabbed from those primary sources. There was several oh, really? stories, yeah, that were scenes um, that just kind of played out there. So you know that we love to, of course have our music documentaries, music book recommendations, types Absolutely. of things. So if folks do want to read those music books, I'd recommend those. And then, of course, uh, check out our two-parter if you haven't already to learn more about Elvis's life, myths versus facts, his history, and that fandom that surrounds that. And I know that we have a lot of new folks uh, that are coming to us after listening to that two-parter. So we just wanted to say welcome. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for that stuff. That's awesome. So um, for folks that listen to our two-parter, you know, just throwing it out there, when we discuss Elvis, you know, we're coming from all sides because again, I'm not the biggest fan and I appreciate him for the industry, et cetera, but like, I'm not a big fan of his music. So I do encourage you guys to go and listen to those two parts because we look at him through all different sides of fandom 
and yeah. his uh, legacy. Interesting that you read Priscilla Presley's memoir, Elvis and Me, because I believe that it, that memoir was what made that uh, telemovie um, about uh, about their relationship. So um, I never read the book. I just saw the uh, televised version of her memoir. Yeah, yeah. That TV movie was a big one back in the day, too. And yeah, it was based mm-hmm. directly off her first person memoir. And I'm always so interested in just these kind of artifacts as primary sources, right? And Absolutely. just hearing people's first person stories are so fascinating to me. Um, so it's just really interesting. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, talk tuners, we've been on a roll lately. We have a lot of uh, jam-packed informational episodes. Um, today, as Stephanie mentioned, we're talking about MC5. Um, MC5 and their legendary song, Kick Out the Jams, today. And right now, right now, right now it's time to Kick Out the Jams, motherfucker! Before we talk about our stories, let's get into some history and story of the band itself. Kick it off, Myers. Or would you say kick out the jams, Myers? I know. Kick out the knowledge. Kick out the knowledge is what we are always here to do for you, Talk Tuners. Um, the MC5, for folks who know or may not know, you had the Motor City Five. They were straight out of Detroit. The original band lineup consisted of vocalist Rob Tyner, guitarist Wayne Kramer, and Fred Sonic Smith, bassist Michael Davis, and drummer Dennis Thompson. You know, they came together, just the context of the time was there was just this upheaval across the country. There was tons of things that were happening. I think folks know know, what was happening circa 1968-69. It's really just a revolution. And people talked about the MC5 in that context. Um, Mm -hmm. The all-music critic Stephen Thomas Erlewine says they really crystallized the counterculture movement as its most volatile and threatening, which was really kind of cool. They didn't pull any punches as a band, right? Didn't see themselves as just entertainment, but hoping to do just a little education. And I think even community organizing in a Mm -hmm. musical way, right? Mm -hmm. So really cool anti-establishment lyrics and the way they positioned themselves was as innovators of the punk movement in the U.S., They were very active in anti-racist movements, including the White Panthers. And for folks who don't know, it's an anti-racist and ally political collective that worked closely together with the Black Panthers. It started in response to an interview where Huey P. Newton, who was the co-founder of the Black Panther Party, was asked, what could white people do to support the Black Panthers? So MC5 had close ties in that, worked um, civil rights, worked in equity movements, had really close ties in that. And their music 
reflected their views. Yeah, that's awesome, Stephanie. Thanks for bringing that up. I mean, and just in general, y'all, we talk a lot about the artists that we love that have purpose, you know, um, who are singing about whether it's their hardships, you know, society, hardships, whatever, um, but things that just really are, um, you know, we want to, or shall I say, they want to be progressive about, speak about, and, um, you know, and really impact um, you know, the listeners and make some change in some sort of way. Um, you know, and I think that's really cool. I didn't re- I know that MC five is, you know, definitely a pioneer for punk, but I did not realize, um, how socially, uh, you know, inclined they were. And this is great. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah. They're really, really cool. So kick out the jams was so interesting as this album, we just gave the context but Kick Out the Jams is the live album, and it's perhaps their most well-known. And it was recorded over two nights in 1968 in Detroit's Grand Ballroom on Devil's Night and on Halloween. Um, And it was released in 1969. Great live album, great live album. And you just can't miss Kick Out the Jams. It starts with one of the most ubiquitous opening lines in history, which is, for those who don't know, Kick out the jams, motherfucker! It's great. <laughs> it's absolutely great. They are, they're such a high octane band and we did get to see them and we'll get into that. But uh, I've been a fan for a really long time since discovering them. Probably I was in college and looking back kind of on the history of the punk movement and some of these godfathers. So just been into them for a long time. And this song really epitomizes, I think, who they are in so many ways. There's other really awesome songs on this live album, including Ramblin' Rose, which is a Jerry Lee Lewis cover. You go back and listen to that original. It's so different that it's almost right. It's almost unrecognizable. The Jerry Lee Lewis cover to me almost sounds like it could be a Sinatra take. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. just like so different tonally, everything. So fascinating. Um, It has come together as Motor City is Burning, which is a John Lee Hooker cover. So they took these influences and wore their influences on their sleeve, which I always appreciate with bands and brought those all together, especially in their live shows, just a great live band known for these absolutely electric live shows. And what we, the show we eventually saw definitely didn't disappoint in that aspect, even though of course the makeup, yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I think about it to this day. Um, And then of course the makeup of the band by the time we saw them was very different from the original lineup, but we will get into that too. Yeah, but the energy was there, right? So, um, you know, we weren't alive when they came out, let's just be honest, but you know, from footage and so on, seeing, you know, the original lineup, they still had that energy. And Talk Tuners really want to kind of point out here that this album was their first album and being a live album, that's some balls. Yeah. Like who puts out a live album as their first album? How fuck is that? Totally. Like what? That's crazy that's so awesome so you know just throwing that out there and you know so they definitely were in your face and as far as the album itself kick out the jams that is actually the only album that i've listened to from them so i definitely need to go back in your discography but on this note i do want to bring out some knowledge around the song kick out the jams so there was some controversy around the song Because it's use of its colorful language. As Myers just said, it rallies off right away. Kick out the jams, motherfucker. 
yeah, it didn't, didn't really gel too well in 1969 America. Um, so when they did get radio play, um, the radio version was edited to say, kick out the jams, brothers and sisters. It's quite a okay. different edit. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Wow. Um, so, so further on, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, censorship. So um, <laughs> Wayne Kramer, who is, uh, you know, part of the original lineup, you know, as Stephanie mentioned, he did an interview with Uncut in 2007 and was talking about this particular song. And he's quoted to say the song came out of band speak. Um, Tyner, who is lead singer, heard the expression and it fitted in with this idea of total commitment, total assault on the culture. So we used the expression to harass other bands we played with. <laughs> If they were losers, we stand by the stage and holler, kick out the jams or get off the stage. Tyner crafted that into a tune. So this was their attitude, y'all. They were like, we are here. Don't fuck around. We, you know, we're here to play. Do your shit. So, man, these, that's so good. Like, my heart is singing right now, y'all. So, so good. So good. Right? And really making that their rallying cry. And probably mm-hmm. what they're most known for, I think, is so down to business. Yeah, they're so so cool. Um, and again, this is such a great album for folks who may not have listened to it. Definitely check it out. And then just also, I wanted to go back for a second and give credit to their full discography. Um, although "Kick Out the Jams" is, I would say, their most well-known album. Their follow-up album, "Back in the USA," which is from 1970. It's studio album, in contrast to the live album. And the whole thing, that whole album is a bop, as the kids say. It's, <laughs> uh, I think, my favorite MC5 album. I'd, uh, when I DJ a little bit in Brooklyn, I'd make a point of a playing at least a track or two from that album. Because it was so good, and it always uh, made the folks really happy. Because it's, it's very high energy and great. So it's actually an album produced by John Landau, who's the music critic. Um, manager, record producer. He's worked with Bruce Springsteen um, in all those capacities. And I think mostly known for his work with Bruce Springsteen and also works um, on the nominating committee for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So he produced this album, which has really good, slick production. I really love the production of this album. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say off that album, The American Ruse in particular is a song that I think really sums up their ethos as a band counterculture and questioning the status quo it's uh it's great i really love that i think that's my favorite track off that album really could be their theme song so definitely go back and check out mc5's various albums they're worth your time they're fantastic high energy give it a listen yeah for sure so on that note MC5, as we mentioned, they paved the way for punk and punk further down the line would become metal. So, you know, this is just showing MC5 obviously had a big influence on current artists um, that we, you know, listen to today that we may be more familiar with. I understand that folks who are listening right now may have never heard of MC5. This may be the first time you're hearing about them. They are underrated. It's it's they're not super mainstream. Um, You know, it's it's true. But, you know, I do guarantee you that they have influenced artists that hit more of the mainstream. And a couple examples that I have are Rage Against the Machine and the White Stripes. Rage Against the Machine is a politically charged band. And like MC5, takes various music genres and blends them together to create abrasive, high-speed music. 
Yeah. Now, Rage Against the Machine's lead guitarist, Tom Morello, he's a huge fan of them. Recently, he actually uh, collaborated with MC5 and um, co-wrote the song Heavy Lifting that came out earlier this year. So MC5 has been coming back, um, which yeah. is great. We see a lot of our artists from back in the day coming back in full force. So, um, you know, this is... It, Super awesome. That song is a shit. So y'all need to go listen to that. Put that in your split on your playlist today. And also in regards to the white stripes, um, they're not laser focused on politics like Rage Against the Machine or MC5, but they do have socially conscious songs, including um, from their popular hit uh, from 2007, Icky Thump, that criticizes the United States's, excuse me, the U.S.'s immigration policy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there is, and then white stripes, they're from Detroit as well. So definitely yeah. a part of that scene, um, and have that influence. And this is totally random stuff. I don't know if you know this, but, and so for the guys that like, you know, the folks that like to hear, um, the cheese maze, I like to say Meg white actually from the white stripes. She was the drummer. Um, she married Fred Sonic Smith and Patty Smith's son, Jackson Smith. In Jack White's Nashville, Tennessee backyard, his backyard in 2009. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the couple divorced in 2013, but I'm like, man, that's some Detroit ties right there, anyway. So, and I also think it's hilarious um, that as talk tuners probably know, Meg White and Jack White were married. She's like, yes. yeah, after we're divorced, I guess we'll just get married to my new husband in your backyard. But you know what? Sounds like they have a unique dynamic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, mm -hmm, we'll just call it that. Definitely, definitely. And then just talking about Kick Out the Jam. So yes, love the song, love the album. But I do want to mention that this song has been covered by so many other bands. So um, folks have may heard the version from Blue Oyster Cult, Bad Brains, Jeff Buckley, or even Rage Against the Machine. I admittedly... Heard this song for the first time as a teenager in 1995 from President of the United States of America's 1995 self-titled album. Y'all may be like, what band is that? Y'all, y'all remember that band from the 90s? It was the band that played the song about peaches. Y'all know. Yeah. Move to the country, you're going to eat me a lot of peaches. Well, go revisit that CD because they do a really great cover of MC5's Kick Out the Jams. And um, yeah, so this is... Go fall in love with this song, man. And fall in love with MC5. Definitely worth it. Definitely worth your time. They're just so good. They're just so good. You know, and as promised, we have our story of MC5 and seeing their Central Park show, which was so exciting. We got the chance yes. to, it was very, very cool um, when we saw them play in July 2005. So picture it. We're there at Summer <laughs> Stage wanted to talk a little bit about the history of Central Park summer stage shows because they're so, so cool. Um, park shows in New York had taken place for a number of decades, but the specific summer stage shows were started in the mid 80s, just as a real celebration of summer. Mm -hmm. So I think now in New York, you know, they talk about the summer music festival circuit. But back then, there was a landscape for just outdoor music performance, and it was kind of limited. There was still the Banchell in Prospect Parks shows, mm. uh, which is my favorite place on earth. That's Celebrate Brooklyn. <laughs> it's been around since 1979. 
But Summer Stage uh, took a page from that, Central Park, it includes not only these concerts, it's great music, but also film screenings and dance performances. So you have to kind of imagine going to see the MC5 over there in the context of Central Park and in this rich history. So it was so, so cool. It was so, so cool. Where yeah, and it's free. It's yeah, free. yeah, it's free. It's free, which is a real, real key here. Like this is like going like to the roots, old school. Like you heard about it, you see all the ads for it in the subway stations, you know, on the street, whatnot. And you want to go to this particular show? We'll go stand in line early. It's free, but they can yeah. only let, they can only let a limited number of people in. So this is makes it so special. And I believe it's still that's the same way today. I haven't been. I haven't been. I haven't yeah. lived in New York for a while. But Stephanie, it's still the same, right? I wouldn't think they change anything. To my knowledge, to my knowledge, that's, awesome. that's not the case. We will edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> but we will say we will say yes and that's what makes it so special and cool so we're like oh my god like we're gonna go see the mc5 for free this is gonna be amazing we're sitting here it's 2005 we're in central park we're ready to watch mc5 not only mc5 they were playing with Sun Ra. they had this long partnership with back in the day uh, MC5 covered uh, Sun Ra's song Starship off of Kick Out the Jams, which was so cool. And they also, the two bands used to play together in the 60s. So they really decided, hey, we're going to curate a bill here, which I thought was really neat that Summer Stage did that yeah. to reunite the two and do it kind of in this nice, deliberate bill. So we were excited to be there for that. And on this afternoon, when we went and saw them, those bands shared a stage for the first time in three decades. So imagine that. What a cool reuniting in the middle of Central Park. And uh, both their shows were great. Both their sets were amazing. Yeah, the energy there that day, man, it was really good. And of course, you know, we were on the younger end um, of as far as, you know, the, uh, the audience. And But it, it doesn't matter. It was awesome. Everyone was there just appreciating the music. It was such a good vibe. Absolutely loved it. And I've seen, and I know you have to seen other artists and performances of Summer Stage, but I'm just going to hold on to that because we're going to have to do an episode about another one later. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we have um, so much to share. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, that energy was, um, was insane. And, you know, unfortunately, the members of MC5, you know, had passed um, before this reunion. So Steph, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the lineup that day? Yeah, so basically, just as far as original members, it was essentially just Wayne Kramer, there as guitarist, but also acting as de facto leader. Um, Rob Tyner and Fred Sonic Smith passed away, um, tragically. And he was the one who was kind of holding down the fort. So he was uh, thinking, okay, how do I kind of expand out the lineup and also show a little of our history, which I thought was really cool because what they decided to do was to bring in guest vocalists, mm -hmm. um, including Mark Arm of Mud Honey. So nice. he was there doing some vocals. And then Dick Manitoba from the classic band, The Dictators, who I really enjoy. I really like The Dictators, really great punk band. So we got to go see them. We're sitting there, we're in, enjoying the show. Dick and Wayne are up there and they're asking the crowd, do you know what time it is? <laughs> and of course it's time to kick out the motherfucker. And just launched into this 
song that has so much history, right? Uh, which is so cool to be able to see live. And they went through MC5's catalog, played all their classics. And I believe that uh, Dick did a few Dictators songs as well. And so I thought it was really cool personally to have uh, Dick there helping out with vocals because he's such a music history fixture and kind of yeah. a musical, yeah, living legend who uh, made his home in New York and was around a lot. He owned, as a side note, uh, Manitoba's bar on the Lower East Side, which is absolutely one of my favorite bars. Had a great vibe, had a great jukebox. He would be there a lot. Like he'd just be hanging there a lot. And um, Stephanie, I know you and I would go. And so it was kind of just this moment where it just connected all these threads for us to have him uh, be playing on this show. Um, and uh, I will say, even though we we loved Dick's Bar, it did close after 20 years in 2019. And um, yeah, it was so sad. And little Stephen, uh, Stephen Van Zant, who we've talked about in a previous episode, was the majority owner of the bar. Dick said, you know, this is my clubhouse and the clubhouse isn't there. This is also the real end of my relationship with little Steven after 40 years. He lost so much money and he was getting madder and madder at me. Wow. So that's what he'd, he'd said about that. So we kind of just give context because Dick Manitoba was a big part of mm -hmm. MC5's existence back then, even though it was brief. So all these threads really come together musically. And then in New York, you know, the music scene is kind of a fairly small world. So I just think yeah. about all these touch points, right, that we've had with these folks in various capacities. Yeah, I remember that bar, too. It was super cool. It was like dim. Um, it was really it was really quaint and just cozy. Yeah. And oh, but the thing is, though, y'all, y'all had to talk real loud. And y'all know I talk loud already. You listen to whatever. But you had to talk extra loud because that jukebox was jamming. You were hearing. You're like, I mean, it was, you know, it was a real deal. And uh, how, what a special time for us, you know, to be like, hey, we're going in and seeing folks that, you know, we've heard about through friends. You know, we read in history, you know, rock and roll history books, you know, what we would consider um, you know, something that's, you know, before our time and just being able to kind of, I don't know, all full circles. Like, yeah, I went to go see Dick Manitoba. He fronted for MC5. Now I'm going to go have a beer at his bar. That's yeah. fucking badass. Like, come yeah. on. Like, that's totally. so cool. Oh, man, I wish it was still open. But yeah, those were some yeah. good times. Definitely It was great. really cool. Yeah. You think about just connecting those dots and be like, wow, to be able to kind of be there for these various moments in time, especially in yeah. New York. That's so, so cool. So anyway, I just, I think fondly about that whole scene and how cool that For was. Sure. Um, and then wanted to also just bring it a uh, double full circle for Tuck Tuners. Um, in the Sonic Youth episode that we did, we talked a little bit about how the band partially took their name from MC5 via Fred Sonic Smith. So we're here talking about that today. Well, go check out that episode, too. Um, in the time since we released it, Sonic Youth actually posted about that episode on their Instagram, which I was like, I'm so honored to have. So that was quite an endorsement, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I feel humbled, I'm humbled and honored. I'm, I'm honored. My gosh, I'm, I'm still speechless. I'm just all smiles over here. Super cool. Super cool. Well, y'all, had, we, we had a great time talking about this. Um, you know, please remember that we're a member of the Pantheon Network. So we have brother and sister 
music pods that you definitely want to check out. Um, if you guys want to touch base with us, you can find us on all the socials. Um, we're at Stephanie's Talk Tunes on IG, FB, and TikTok. And on Twitter, you can find us at Stephanie's Talk. And of course, don't forget about our merch, man. We got, we're here to serve you. Yeah. <laughs> we got, yeah. We're here to, we're here to give you some music knowledge and uh, also to have a, you know, a fun t-shirt to wear or maybe, you know, a cool uh, pint glass, maybe some socks, you know, we got you. We got you. Yeah. And just shout out to people who were, uh, got some merch and posed with it, took some pictures, posted on their social media. That was so cool. That was so cool. We'll definitely be retweeting that if you happen to get some merch and to show your swag. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, guys. Well, it's definitely been a lot of fun, y'all. This is Stephanie Pena, and I am out. I'll see you guys in two weeks. Stephanie Myers out. Thank you, Talk Tuners. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.